This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, none other than Alonzo Bowden, comedian, actor, Rebel HQ contributor, and all around amazing individual. Should be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day, Roger Stone says there's a demonic portal on top of the White House that he did not open. It magically appeared after Biden became president. Now, he's desperately trying to get to the White House in order to return home. He didn't <laughs> add that last part, I, I put that last part in, but here it is. When, when you're talking about the supernatural, there are a lot of people that go, oh, I don't know, that sounds, sounds weird to me. You were talking about something extraordinary. Um, and, and I just love you to touch on, on that subject because sure. it's, it's at least, very interesting. I think that there has that, that a, a portal, a demonic portal, opened above the White House around the time that the Bidens moved in. Uh, this was brought to my attention by a, a Christian who lives in North Florida, who sent me a bunch of photographs uh, and a bunch of documents, and also some notations in the in the, in the Bible about portals. Uh, and I was. Like, okay, sure, uh, okay, appreciate it, thank well, you. Well, I mean, you should start out by right. being skeptical. I was and saying that, skeptical. Sound, that sounds insane to me. Exactly what I uh, But please continue. So I was skeptical about it, um, but I looked at the photos, and, I, and you can also, there's a live cam where you can actually see in real time, and there does appear to be something, you know, above the White House. Something, something inexplicable. Say, well, at first you say, well, maybe it's a reflection, Maybe it's a, an aerostat balloon. You know, maybe there's a logical natural. So I, I called a police officer I know. That's right. When you see demonic portals, it's time to call an officer that you know, a beat cop that patrols the street looking for demonic portals, obviously. Uh, all of us don't have such a personal hand, but Roger Stone does. Here's what happened. Works in Arlington, he's a friend of mine. And I said, look, um, do me a favor, would you go down and check this out? He said, are you out of your mind? I said, no, just humor me, just humor me. <laughs> go down there and, and check it out and tell me what, call me back and tell me what you see. Right. And take photos. And he called me back about two and a half hours later and he said, you're not going to believe this, but there's definitely something there. And it's there, he said, it, people who, are, other people were there photographing it. One man called and said, you can see it day or night. It's, a, it's like a smudge in the sky, almost like a cloud that doesn't move. But when you zoom in on it with a telephonic lens, it's swirling like a cauldron. Now, wait a minute. So this is like, what, eight months ago? Yes. Okay. So this is a cop. Yes. Telling you that he doesn't know what the heck it is. But, but it's something. But yeah, there's something there. Correct. And therefore, Has this persisted? 
Yes, it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. Okay, that's nuts. Like, how has the media not covered this? Well, the media doesn't cover a lot of things that are true. But damn it, I'm covering it. Because it's true that Roger Stone said there's a portal, a demonic portal on top of the White House. Now, here's the thing. Republicans always jump to conclusions. Why does it have to be a demonic portal? Why can't it be an entry into Middle Earth or perhaps the fourth Possibly fifth dimension. Or what about the grades? How do the grades feel about this conclusion that you all have decided to reach without consultation with anyone? All right. Also, Ron DeSatan, the governor of Florida. Well, his friend ended up dead in extremely mysterious circumstances. Let me go to this story. Let's put up the picture of his friend. All right. So, this is going to be an interesting and also baffling story. The super donor to the governor of Florida and a Jacksonville defense contractor, Kent Sturman, apparently took his own life according to the reports. This took place Thursday outside of Mayport Post Office after an investigation was launched into his alleged sexual misconduct. Now, there are some dynamics worthy of examination. Sturman is the owner of Total Military Management, had donated more than $60,000 directly to the election of DeSantis and was appointed by the governor to serve on the board of governors. That is the organization which oversees state universities. Jacksonville Sheriff TK Waters told the Florida Times Union and I quote, this investigation remains ongoing at this time and will continue until its completion. As with all active investigations, there is limited information available to release at this time. However, as soon as this investigation has been completed, all applicable information will be available for release to the public. Now, already there seems to be a conflict in the information. One narrative says he took his own life. The other one says this is an active and ongoing investigation to reach a conclusion as to what happened. DeSantis moved into a condominium owned by Mr. Sturman in a newly drawn congressional district after he was pushed out of his own district in 2016 by redistricting. The 50 year old Sturman has suffered a stroke last week and was released from the hospital on the day he died. And he claimed at the time that he was actually leaving politics. There's more. Sturman told Florida politics at the time and I quote, I am stepping about as far from politics as I can right now. My prognosis is positive. And I just got discharged from the hospital, but I have a ton of work to do to get healthy. Uh, now, that doesn't sound like an individual who's about to commit suicide hours later. Sounds like someone who's looking forward to having a different kind of life, maybe a person who has figured some things out, maybe someone who knows something and he's deciding to get away from politics, which means what? He's getting away from Ron DeSantis. Now, I'm not saying there's a correlation, but definitely there's something not on the record that should be. All right, my dear brother, what are your thoughts here? Well, first of all, let me say that um, to the normal sane people in Florida, I wish you luck. 
Right. Because <laughs> that's all we can do. <laughs> these stories are continually coming out of Florida. This whole Roger Stone thing with you know a North Florida person told him that there's a demonic portal above the White House, and then he sent a cop to look at it, and they've seen it and this and that. Now, I don't know about you, Doc, but I saw both of them on camera. Why didn't they show us a picture of the demonic portal on camera? See, I mean, exactly. they said it's still there and they're sitting there. It's like, hey, let us in on it. You know? I, and, and this goes back to uh, part of the manipulation of the Republican cult, right? Is religious and, and they make up these religious claims. And it's, it is, it's unfortunate because they take advantage of the least educated, the most vulnerable people, right? The people who will believe this kind of thing. And they'll believe anything negative you can say about Biden or any Democrat or whatever. And then, you know, it's so that part of it's unfortunate. It it would be comical if it wasn't a con, yep. you know. Um, the 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 guy donating money to DeSantis and all it. This is a tough one, right? Because again, without jumping to conclusions and and that's what conspiracy theorists, I always say that I love conspiracy theorists because they they believe in humanity. They always believe a large group of people can work together and keep a secret. That's right. I've been around people too long (laughs) to know that. But so I don't wanna jump into that. But it does look kind of shaky that this guy's about to be investigated for, for sexual allegations or something like that. And then he just uh, apparently kills himself. Um, it, without knowing what's going on in the investigation, it looks bad. The fact that he's friends with DeSantis, that he's given DeSantis a bunch of money and DeSantis is living, what well, he was living in a condo that the guy owned or the guy yes. built or something like that. Yeah, it, it's. You'd think, I guess maybe he thought he had cover. Maybe he was doing some dirt and figured, hey, I'm friends with the governor. The governor will cover me on this. And somebody the governor's office said no, or maybe, like you said, it doesn't sound like the the day that uh, somebody's ready to commit suicide. But without a real investigation into this, who knows? Again, it, it's another Florida story, you know, that there's, there's probably an alligator involved somewhere. And um, you know, maybe, maybe aliens from outer space. I mean, these Florida stories just—they just well, keep going. I'm waiting for that demonic portal to open up uh, on top of uh, the Satan's house, so he can take his ass back home. Exactly. All right. <laughs> okay. A very sad story. Ex warden, ex warden, assault, sexually assaults women. Under his care, let's put his picture up full mass here. Uh, you're looking at an Oakland, California warden, now former warden of a federal women's prison, was found guilty of sexually abusing inmates and taking naked photos of them in their cells. Ray Garcia is the warden in question. He was the warden of the Federal Correctional Institute in Dublin, California, was found guilty of sexual abusing female inmates from December 2019 to July 2021. He is facing a possibility of 15 years in prison. Garcia had been placed on administrative leave before retiring and was arrested in September in 2021. 
And let me say this, there is one United States Senator leading investigations into prisons all across the country. As a matter of fact, he gave a testimony, a hearing today. There was testimony on record, I think they're doing the same thing tomorrow. And that's Senator John Ossoff out of Georgia, a good friend of mine. Senator Ossoff has also decided as the chair of the subcommittee investigations, excuse me, the permanent subcommittee on investigations. He has decided to utilize the power of that subcommittee in order to engage in a thoughtful investigation in federal prisons all across the United States. He's already uncovered significant abuses, violations and criminal conduct. This is the first of five prison employees tried for abusing inmates at the federal prison. Prosecutors say Garcia, the warden of the time, tried to keep his victims quiet with promises that he'd help them get early release. He allegedly told one victim he was close friends with the prison official responsible for investigating staff misconduct and could not be fired. According to an indictment, he said he liked to coordinate with inmates given their lack of power, they, they could not ruin him. I know that sounds insensitive, I'm trying to be sensitive to the wording that was provided by the AP. Garcia was also accused of ordering inmates to strip naked as he made rounds and of lying to federal agents who asked him if he ever, ever asked inmates to undress for him or inappropriately touched a female inmate. He said no, he denied all allegations. Garcia testified on his own behalf. Here is an excuse he gave for taking a photo of naked inmates on all fours. He testified he opened the door. This is his testimony now, not what somebody else said about him. He testified he opened the door, digital camera in hand and snapped a picture. Expecting to catch a prisoner flushing drugs down the toilet to avoid being caught. Instead, he saw a woman on all fours and completely naked on one of the cell beds, just as the shirt clicked and on his camera. That was his excuse. He says, "Oh no, 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 this was just a coincidence. I went in there with my camera in order to film them flushing drugs down the toilet. Once again, complete violation of any known protocol within federal prisons for a warden to walk into a cell with a camera, okay? All right, Garcia's history of abuse was no secret, but he remained employed. Associated Press investigation in February revealed a culture of abuse and cover up that had persisted for years at the prison, about 21 miles, 34 kilometers east of Oakland. That reporting led to increased scrutiny from Congress and pledges from the Federal Bureau of Prisons that it would fix problems and change the culture of the prison. Tess Korth, a former Federal Corrections Institute guard at Dublin, opened up about what she knew. She knew a lot about Garcia and the history of abuse at the facility. Korth claims that he was one of the golden boys who's been around a long time. But there's quote, people up on top that know about it, that this happens a lot and just gets covered, meaning covered up. In November, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco submitted a consideration to federal prosecutors across the United States to quote, Consider the full array of statutes, including the Violence Against Women Act, 
for cases that involve prison employees accused of sexual misconduct. Let me pause just for one moment and highlight something here. The prosecutor had to remind individuals to treat women like human beings and apply the full statutory dynamic as it relates to criminality that may have been visited upon them inside of these cells. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think they have to be reminded that the full law applies to individuals who are incarcerated? Because the culture has typically said it does not. Full law does not apply to individuals who are incarcerated, even though it does as far as law and constitution is concerned. There's more. In those cases, the prosecutor said they should consider asking judges for sentences that go beyond the federal guidelines. If the sentence recommended in the guideline isn't fair and proportional to the seriousness of the offense. I agree. Here is what we know about the other four corrections workers being prosecuted. Of the four other Dublin workers charged with abusing inmates, three have pleaded guilty. One is scheduled to stand trial next year. James Theodore Highhouse, the prison's chaplain, is appealing his seven year prison sentence, arguing that it was excessive because it was more than double the recommended punishment in federal sentencing guidelines. Um, Chaplain, let me say this to you. Um, You really should get probably the worst, if not close to it. You utilized your faith, you utilized your religion to gain access and you did a complete fake out. People depended on you to do the right thing. You decided not to Chaplain, Uh, you and my book, because I'm a man of faith, one of the worst among them. All right, Alonzo, thoughts here. Well, in the initial uh, quote you read, it talked about the abuse of power, you know, and that, and that's the dynamic in a lot of sexual assault cases. But in this case, this is the the ultimate abuse of power. When you're a warden of a prison, you have almost absolute power. I mean, and you can offer them and manipulate their freedom and and. You know what you said about the the chaplain using religion as a manipulation is also bad, but but when it comes to power, the the warden has the ultimate say so in a prison, and that whole story about you know accidentally taking a picture, as, as I understand it, wardens don't do the search of prison cells for drugs. That's what That's correct. the guards do. That's what the you know there's people who work for him who do that kind of thing and and again these guys you know and it it's really the 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 comical part is when you talk about dumb criminals even a warden of a prison is so dumb as to keep evidence on his phone you know mm-hmm. that that's the part where like ooh yeah. so he's caught and they're going to talk now they're going to point fingers and this and that i bet there's a lot of people they say this is a big thing involved with the, uh, I guess, senior officials or power people at a prison. Probably going to be a lot of them talking about making deals. Like I'll talk, but let me out. You know, this or that. That woman who was a guard who knew about it. I'm sure there were others, and and they're under pressure to keep quiet. But yeah, the abuse of power, the ultimate abuse of power, would be that abuse of power over a, a convict, over a, someone in the prison, and and for that reason should be punished to the maximum. That's right. You're like you said, people think we forget people who are in prisons and we certainly think they're stripped of any 
legal rights and quite often any human rights and to abuse women in this situation who in in by any practical measure have no defense by any practical measure these women have no defense against this sexual abuse uh, so throw the book at them yeah wheels of justice moving in the right direction multiple investigations are going to happen also in 2023 uh, based on off record information that i have hopefully it cleans up the culture um, of federal prisons in this country. All right, this is an indisputable exclusive. A military veteran unhoused temporarily was brutally attacked by law enforcement. I'm going to first show you this video. Gonna ask you to just not reach for anything and step on another vehicle, okay? Well, I'm coming out of the vehicle for uh, We'll talk about that, okay? So just step on out for DUI. All right, so stand up, turn around, hands behind your back. Step out of the car, man. Hands behind my back. Yes, you're gonna be detained in handcuffs. Uh, no, I'm not. You're about to stand up. Victor 9 1 fighting. That left arm, it's like, yeah. don't fing do it, dude. <laughs> Put up the pictures. Unhoused man, Colorado Springs, Colorado, was beaten by police on October 9th. He and an acquaintance were stopped by police for not properly displaying their tags. The cops told Mr. Dalvin Gadsden to step out for suspicion of marijuana, which by the way is legal, and also suspicion of DUI. You can hear the 29-year-old Dalvin Gadsden pleading with his three white attackers. Oh my brother, Oh my brother. You're looking at these photos, let's show the others. During the attack, an officer says to another, he's assaulting me while the video shows the opposite. Remember, we had an officer tell us at Indisputable, they will say things like that in order to create a case for their own defense in the midst of being violent. So we know the game. Gasson was still handcuffed to his hospital bed, his body covered in bruises, scrapes, lacerations in the hospital. Gadsden can barely raise his voice to speak to the officer. The officer decides to speak to Mr. Gadsden. Here it is. It's just kind of the way we do things. Um, if you want to talk to me, I'll want to talk to you. 
Are you willing to answer some questions and talk to me about what, about what happened? Um, what happened? Well, hold on. Before you start, I got to read something to you. Or do you want to talk to me about what happened? Well, I really need to get in touch with my lawyer. Okay. Well, if you want your lawyer, then I won't talk to you about what happened. Um, what's the purpose of you talking to me for, sir? Once he said the word lawyer. That is him invoking his right to counsel. Now it is time for the cop to exit his ass up out of that hospital room, but he did not. Now, why was Mr. Gadsden in this situation? His attorney said Gadsden, let's put up the military picture, was giving a ride to another man to, uh, to, another man, uh, to work when he was pulled over for improper tags. Uh, Mr. Gadsden was a 29 year old homeless veteran or unhoused who was honorably discharged. There's more, three officers took part in this beating. Officer Hummel, Officer Hickman and Officer Anderson. And all three can be seen hitting, kicking and slapping. Mr. Gap, Mr. Gadsden on video. One cop, Matthew Anderson, smiles for a photo of his blood knuckles after the beating. Look at him. Look at it. This is a trophy for him. Gadsden's attorney revealed to Indisputable this morning that Anderson had previously been removed from the department for excessive use of force, but was rehired, was brought back. In that separate incident, Anderson nearly broke a man's arm after the man had flipped him off. They fired him and brought him back. This is the attorney for Mr. Gadsden, a friend of Indisputable and a friend of mine, great civil rights attorney, Harry Daniels. Daniels spoke with Indisputable exclusively, called his client's treatment stomach churning, vicious and absolutely inhumane. It's difficult to listen to these officers laugh and joke about beating a veteran to a bloody mess and drawing their firearm on an unarmed man. With officers this casual about the use of excessive and potentially deadly force. This is Mr. Gadsden is lucky to be alive. This is the proclamation from the attorney. Indisputable investigates did an interview with Harry Daniels about the incident. Here it is. And yeah, you got violation, excessive use of force, Fourth Amendment right, uh, assault battery by the officers. I mean, when you look at it, you know, he his, uh, he refused to get out of the vehicle because he didn't understand why they were trying to detain him for marijuana. He didn't find any marijuana, marijuana on him. I mean, you got to remember you're in Colorado. Colorado's a state where you have recreational use of marijuana. I talk to people all the time. They say you can smell marijuana in the air everywhere. Almost any state have, you know, legal use. But as long as Colorado's the first state to have legal recreational use of marijuana, if I'm not mistaken. It's very prevalent out there, so. His uh, claim and one of their DUI investigation on him wasn't going to warrant it because, well, he didn't show any signs of therapy, too. Uh, there's no hearing from courts saying, no, you didn't have a problem causing all that. So, now we have is a guy stopped for a tag. You're overreaching, want to do a DUI sobriety when his that there's no reason to do it. You have no problem cause to do it. Then you beat him when he refused to uh, get out of the vehicle. Uh, they, they tried to charge him assault on the officer. 
opponent felony assault the PA dismissed that charge but they didn't see that uh, and he's left bloody and, and bruised let me give you the head of the police department for this jurisdiction uh, this is your police chief his name is chief Vasquez Colorado Springs was featured on Indisputable yesterday after comedian Mark Curry was harassed by security officers at the mining exchange. The city also settled a lawsuit after officers assaulted a Black Lives Matter protester. This city has a lot of issues, racism. We've covered them multiple times. I wanna give you the post. This is a link to, uh, to Gadsden's GoFundMe page. Um, if you would like to contribute, there it is, it's right there, right? On the page, Gatson writes, I have been homeless for about three to four months, sleeping in my car, doing DoorDash until my money was saved enough to get an apartment. While sleeping, a stranger named Carlos knocked on my car window. When I had awoken, he asked me if I could take him to his job close by for $20. I needed the money, he says, so I said yes. While driving him to his destination, I was pulled over by the police. I was startled when this happened because I never get pulled over. I tell the stranger Carlos to relax and that the stop would be over soon. Colorado Springs Police Department Public Information Office uh, Officer um, Pamela Castro has not yet responded to the release of the videos. They have not responded to Indisputable. Uh, we are awaiting a response, hopefully this week. Now, some would say, well, he should have simply complied. Please understand, when there's a negotiation, when there's an argument, when there's a conflict, officers are trained to de-escalate, to utilize appropriate force. The reason why excessive force is called excessive force is because it was too much force to remedy the situation at hand. This is a no-no in policing, it is against the law. It is against protocol, it is against the sentiment of the common person. We don't want this kind of policing in the United States of America. So there, there are multiple violations obviously on the scene and then even in the hospital. And there may be some violations beyond. We will stay on top of the story as it develops. My dear brother, what are your thoughts here? Well, wow, there's a lot to start off like his lawyer said, he's lucky he's alive. You know, We've seen too many of these cases where the victim does get killed. Um, again, it's almost comical to listen to a cop while you're watching him beat a man who's down say he's assaulting me. It's like, what? what is he assaulting your fists with his face? Is that why you wanna show off the mm -hmm. bloody knuckles at the end? You know, and, and this is another case, you know, you, you did say something that I don't know if I agree with when you talked about, when you said that this isn't the kind of policing that America wants. This isn't the kind of violence. Unfortunately, too often it is. You know, that they, they use that he didn't comply story, which as far as I'm concerned, after the insurgent attack on January 6th, 
you're not allowed to talk about compliance anymore. You can be a right winger and use the word compliance after you attacked the Capitol and killed Capitol police officers. I don't wanna hear anything about someone who should comply with the law. Now, yeah. this man did nothing wrong, as you say, in Colorado. And I've been to Colorado Springs and I've been in the hotel Mark Curry was in. And let me just say, I absolutely believe him based on some sketchy treatment I received at the hotel checking in. But wow. you know, Colorado Springs is looking really bad. This is showing a pattern, a pattern of abuse. And like you said, these cops, this is the shame of it. They they get their job back, or they move one town over, one jurisdiction over, and they go to work. And and ever since I heard this idea, I have been a proponent of it, a big believer of it. In these cases, when they when they come up with the settlement, because that's how they make it go away. They always offer a cash settlement. The money has to come out of the police pension fund. When the cops have to pay for their behavior out of their own money, rather than using the taxpayers money in the city fund, this behavioral change. Yeah. So that's the real penalty. Yeah, make them pay money out of their own pocket and suddenly they, they may not be as quick to swing on people. It's a horrible case. Unfortunately, it's, it's not even unusual anymore. Yeah, we've, and that's- We've lost the ability to be shocked by these yeah. things. And that's one of the sad dynamics about it. And let me say this quickly, I agree with you. There's a segment of society, they like this kind of policing. But there is a reason that 94% of Americans believe that police reform is required. Regardless of party affiliation, 94% of Americans believe police reform on some level is required right now. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Reminder, unbossed, Benita Turner. All right, that comes up right after this show, indisputable. Tune into Unbossed with Senator Nina Turner, weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, where she unites real everyday Americans to take on corrupt forces, to seek to keep power from people. Subscribe at youtube.com forward slash unbossed. TYT, fascinating, remarkable program and remarkable person. Let me read some of these comments, don't have much time, we'll read as many as I can. Next TYT reporter says, nobody even asked, is this Saran what he was doing that day? What if it's his portal? Maybe I read that wrong, okay, I think I kinda get what you're saying. Uh, infantry, uh, infantry chef says, that's not a portal, Roger, that's the door. It's called roof access. Oh, <laughs> uh, Vincent uh, Morales, he and Trump crossed the streams. That's right, that's exactly what happened. I'm glad you figured it out. Uh, Stoneflower Dragon, uh, thank you for this Stoneflower. Uh, they need a special wing at Leavenworth for Florida man and all his friends. Here you go, all right. And James Thompson, been a member five months, thank you so much. As Dragon and Vet, 20 plus, I sit and my train runs, still I ride again after 40 years in a cage small. Part the solid majority, okay, thank you. Uh, Alexis Miller, thank you, welcome to Indisputable. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're gonna feel free, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. I drive. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice girl. 
He's so drunk. <laughs> Racist and weird. Okay, let's go ahead and put the picture up full mass here. Well, well, this is interesting. What are you doing with the fake rose, sir? Okay, um, obviously, the individual who is the male Karen for today says um, he was simply making a joke about black women and the capacity that a black woman has to do a particular job, operations, be precise. And then he proceeded to do whatever that action was. Um, since I'm not a comedian, I'm going to allow our registered <laughs> comedian uh, to opine on this particular <laughs> male care. Go ahead, sir. Well, uh, once again, you, you see the actions of somebody who's never been punched in the mouth. <laughs> See, now, you know, if, if as a child he had been punched in the mouth, that would stay with him and he'd be like, you know, I probably shouldn't bother these women. Hmm. It's it's so ridiculous. So, we, and again, we know how this plays out, right? First of all, he's going to be identified yeah. because they're always identified, and then he's going to lose his job. And then, then, you know, what do we have here? We have racism, we have sexual harassment, and we have utter stupidity and yeah. and all under the excuse of oh I was drunk I was trying to make a joke they they're always trying to make a joke how about uh, yeah I don't like bullies I don't like bullies these women handled this rather nicely they did. Um, and and fortunately there was wasn't a black man in the bar who might have taken offense to this and this could have went the other way really quick um yeah, he's just a stupid drunk, and this again, I think he'll he'll be exposed, and there'll be some penalty for it. Um, fortunately, it wasn't anything more than that, and the women handled it fine. But yeah. no, nah, this isn't a joke. And again, I, I fought someone 30 years ago when he was a kid. If he'd have taken a shot in the mouth, that would have stayed with him. He'd you know, still remember it today. Lessons. Lessons missed early may be learned later. Just always remember that. <laughs> I tell my college students, learn all the lessons you can right now. All right, you're young enough to bounce back from them. Okay, college students, they say there is a white supremacist student among their ranks and they're trying to get rid of this student. They do not want the individual on campus. So let me give you the background to this. Let's put up the picture full mass here. Uh, very interesting and also sad. Columbia, Missouri, students at the University of Missouri are demanding a white supremacist student, according to them, be expelled for making vile racist comments. Meg Miller posted a horrific racist joke on her Instagram following the recent killing of black football students at a university. It was the University of Virginia. She said, and I quote, if they would have killed four more, and she says in words, we would have the whole week off. That was her comment. Her Instagram, which can no longer be found, states that she is unapologetically conservative. 
Okay, there's more. Miller is president of University of Missouri's white supremacist right wing extremist organization known as Turning Point USA. Turning Point USA spreads the same great replacement extremist ideology that was included in the manifesto to the Buffalo mass killer who massacred 10 black people at a grocery store in Western New York earlier this year. That replacement theory is also held as a fundamental ideology of the KKK. There's more, Miller appears to be a fan of Kyle Rittenhouse. She captured in the photo of herself and a dead deer that read, pull the Rittenhouse. Oh, you think that's it? Missouri sophomores, there's one student in particular. Her name is Kaylin Walker, who is senator with the Legion for Black Collegians explains how she found out about the post. The Black Mizzou community is very close and we have a group chat. The screenshot was sent in the group chat by one of our members. Everyone immediately went into action saying, who is this girl? What can we do? This is horrific. Eventually we found her Instagram and went to her Snapchat. When she saw we were flooding her Instagram, she went private and started blocking people. Walker continued, people who had reached out to our administration were all getting the same auto-generated response. We were upset that we weren't getting actual responses from an actual human being administrator. That's why we went to Twitter to start tagging faculty because we could tell this wasn't being taken seriously as it should be. Obviously the first emotion we felt was anger. We were of course angry, she said it, but even more outraged at the administration on how the administration is handling it. Sydney Perkins, who serves as the accessibility, inclusion, diversity and equity coordinator had this to say. Saying that disgusting comment about black people who were massacred and joking about murdering black people. It was just there is an uproar. And the fact that Mizzou supports her organizations is very disheartening. A lot of us are talking about it and figuring out what to do. Formed a group chat and are coming up with plans and ideas. Are we really gonna let this go? We definitely aren't. Black students are tired, tired of the performative actions that Mizzou takes. We will definitely be doing something in the coming days. We are also going to see how the school responds. Let's put up the president of the institution. All right, that's the university president Moon Chow. What is clear, what is clear is that there has been racist comments. That's clear, Mr. President. The racist comments come from a person who clearly has access to guns. Once again, Mr. President, and let me talk to you, sir, as a university professor and administrator myself. Because you receive federal dollars, those federal dollars, they come with a rule. The rule is you have to do everything within your power to maintain a discrimination free campus environment. That's part of the prerequisite in order to obtain and maintain federal dollars. If you fail to do so, you can then be subjected to a revocation or suspension of your federal financial aid program. Now, I'm not saying this really for the president, I'm saying it for the students who are looking to do something 
This is a claim you can make to the federal government today. And they will investigate if that campus is in fact discrimination free. That's one thing you can do to the black students who are looking for opportunities to lead. This happens every day on our campus. People feel unsafe, unvalued, unloved. We are all banding together. This is a reoccurring thing. None of us have gotten any response whatsoever from the administration. Nothing from an actual person. Those auto generated responses are the only updates we've gotten so far. Whatever it requires, protests, town hall strikes. We are going to do whatever it takes to make the campus safer for people of color. And obviously we're indisputable and TYT, we stand with you. Here is the school's late response. University of Missouri officials have been alerted to reports of a racial post by an MU student. The information was referred to the MU Office of Institutional Equity. This language is reprehensible. We condemn any language and actions that are racist, discriminatory and hateful to our community, say the president. Following the review, the university will take appropriate action. Clock is ticking, sir, the clock is ticking. Now, for some reason, it took these students doing a whole lot of extra campus stuff in order to get the attention of the administration, the faculty, you. Now, at some point, you will be defined, Mr. President, not by the issues or the problems of your institution, but your failure to resolve them. Alonzo, thoughts here? Well, this is um, this is similar to the white girl at, at I think it was University of Kentucky who was assaulting the black girl and they got it on video and they kicked her out of the school. This woman is obviously white supremacist, racist. They know about it and they need to do something. You know, now they'll the the right wing will talk about freedom of speech and what they always forget with freedom of speech is that comes with consequences. You have to be willing to suffer the, you can say what you want, but you have to be willing to suffer the consequences of what you say. And universities are very protected. You know, many comedians have run into problems over we're, we're actually making jokes and we say things on a university campus that you're not allowed to say on campus. You could say it at a comedy club or some other show, but you can't say it on campus. And we we know that going in and some have broken that rule. Um, this woman has to go. The, the bigger story here to me, this great replacement theory, there's one group that that wasn't mentioned that is a big advocate of the great replacement theory and that's Tucker Carlson and the people at Fox News. And right. they, there's another group that always denies any responsibility in what they say. They push this great replacement theory all the time. And this is a very dangerous theory to unhinged people. Now, this woman is so far not dangerous, not physically dangerous, but we don't know who's a member of that. What's that organization turning point or whatever they wanna call it. Um, We don't know who in that organization does have a gun and is crazy and will be set off by this and think that they're a crusader against the great replacement. You know, the words have a responsibility and can be dangerous. These words are dangerous. They know who she is, they know what she said, get her off campus. Freedom of speech does not equate to freedom from responsibility. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay.
All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Always a pleasure having you with us. Okay, I will read some of these comments. Amika C, the Silver Hat Dragon says, I've had too much to drink more than once. I've gotten into arguments with people more than once. I've cursed and assaulted people more than once. Um, funny how I haven't spewed racist comments even once. If it's not already in one's mind, it won't spew out of their mouth. Very wise. My grandmother would say, um, I think it's a, a drunk tongue makes a sober heart. What you say or something like that, something to that impact. If you drink, you're gonna start saying things that are already honestly inside of you. Right, um, Nadius Maximus, Meg, take it from the family guy. Nobody likes Meg. <laughs> <laughs> All right, C. Michael Hinson, uh, thank you, C. Michael. Alonzo hit the nail on the head about the male Karen. That the right person have been in the room, would have gotten some act right that night. Yeah, would have. Um, thank you so much, Gerald Coaxum. Welcome to Indisputable. We appreciate you in advance. What have I told you? That a white male just walked up to a black male and just shot him. Well, that's according, that's what happened according to the police. Let's put this picture up full mass here. Uh, not a lot of details about this, but the details we have are horrible. Mark Waters, 66 years of age, he's a California man who allegedly shot a black man who was walking to the grocery store and what prosecutors are calling. An unprovoked attack. He has not been charged with a felony, but I don't think the felony goes far enough. Waters was charged with felony assault with a semi automatic firearm, resulting in great bodily injury and personal use of a firearm. The Santa Clara County DA says more charges may come as the investigation is looking into the incident as a possible. Hate crime. Now, I do have a question. Why was he not charged with attempted murder in addition to the other charges? Because if you just walk up to a person and shoot them, why do you not charge them with the obvious crime? Because that could lead to the death of another individual. The victim is only 21 years of age, 21 years old, left the Airbnb. He was renting to walk to the grocery store. He then saw Mr. Waters exit a home and quickly approach him while holding a black handgun. Imagine the fear happening with this young man right now in that moment. When the victim turned uh, returned, uh, turned to run, Waters fired a single shot, but struck him in the leg. I guarantee you this. Uh, Walker was not aiming for the leg. I can promise you that. Okay. District Attorney uh, Jeff Rosen condemned the shooting, saying, and I quote, everyone should be safe walking to the store. We will not tolerate such senseless um, and, and violent acts in this country. We wish the victim a speedy recovery and will make sure he receives justice for this brutal assault. Um, I just have something to submit for the record. Obviously, the wheels of justice are turning in the direction they should be. The man has been arrested and charged. However, there's this sense in the criminal justice system, the sentiment where they are very careful about overcharging white criminals, but they're not careful when it comes to allocating charges to black 
criminals or individuals who commit violent acts, okay? So you have a white male who obviously committed a horrible and violent act. It looks as if he wanted to kill this individual unprovoked. If you say, well, he only wanted to injure him. You're giving him the benefit of the doubt. If that is his proclamation, that is called an affirmative defense. That doesn't mean you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. You do not have to be his defense attorney. You can charge him with the obvious crime. Let him assert his affirmative defense and work it out in court. That's typically how this would work. But already at the beginning, they're figuring out a way to make sure they do not charge him with murder or attempted murder, excuse me. But they charge him with the lesser offense of simply trying to injure the body of another person. We have no evidence that was his only motivation. All right, my dear brother, thoughts here. Well, I'm not a lawyer, obviously. What you say is true, that they they are careful about how they charge people. They're not careful how they charge black people. And I've heard DAs and people talk about they don't wanna press charges that they can't get a guilty plea on. So maybe that's what the DA is doing in this case. Um, This guy obviously thought he was in Florida or Texas or Arizona or somewhere he could get away with this. But here's the interesting component to this case. The civil suit, because this guy obviously has something. He has a house, maybe he has some money or whatever. And the victim in this shooting can sue the hell out of him. You can't just shoot someone in the leg. You know, you're gonna have the criminal prosecution, but I promise you, there will be, there are lawyers lining up saying, oh yeah, there's a civil case here. We're gonna sue him and take away everything he has. As well they should. This this action should destroy him. This, that yeah. would be justice if yeah. this action destroys him. Let him lose his house, lose his money if he's you know got retirement money or whatever, and uh, let there be a real penalty for his racism. Yeah, we will follow this to see if a motive develops out of their investigation. Uh, we shall see. Okay. Out of all of my years of broadcasting, I never thought I would broadcast about a story like this. A police officer, while on duty, decided it was a good idea to start making adult films. Yeah, uh, let's go ahead and put his picture up full mass here. Uh, we're talking about Phoenix, Arizona. A police officer is now under investigation for producing adult videos, starring in adult videos while on the clock. His name is Christian Goggins. He's under investigation for creating and distributing the adult material while working officially as a police officer. Goggins was supposed to be working from home, but allegedly traveled to and from Las Vegas producing and promoting these videos of himself to Twitter. An anonymous source uncovered 30 year old officer Goggins Twitter page. Um, He goes by, I guess we will call this my dear brother stage name. Uh, Rico Blaze is his stage name. His bio reads that he creates art and his eggplant is the pen. His account went private soon after reporters tried to make contact. Listen, Phoenix police, they got a statement. Let me read the statement. 
Phoenix police says, and I quote, we can confirm there is an open investigation underway involving Officer Goggins. Officer Goggins was on home assignment prior to the start of the investigation for unrelated and non-disciplinary reasons. Well, I don't understand. He's on duty, but he's at home. And he's not at home because he's being disciplined for any reason. Um, I, I need I need more information. All right, so <laughs> uh, you know we don't have any evidence that this guy um, hurt anyone, shot anybody while being unarmed, uh, violated the rights of any citizen. Um, he went and made some adult movies while he was supposed to be on the clock. All right, that's a no no, obviously. My dear brother, thoughts here. Well, Doc, I'm gonna start off by telling you to be careful what you ask for, because when you ask for more information from Rico, <laughs> Rico good. might send you some more information. <laughs> you, I guess the Phoenix Police Department's got to start paying more money to their officers who aren't working, because this is a this is a heck of a side hustle he got here. I don't know if this is a OnlyFans or what he's doing here. I mean. In a way, it seems like um, victimless, other than you know uh, the money he stole from yeah. the police getting paid. You know, I mean, this guy's gonna lose his job, obviously, and whether they're gonna uh, want their money back from. I don't know how long he was paid for being at home working. I don't. I'm like you. I don't know what that means as a police officer. I guess he didn't know what it meant either. I guess he go. didn't know that it meant you know. Stay home and don't go to Vegas and make adult videos. Listen, if you want to go to Vegas and make adult videos, just do it on your own time. You don't yeah, do it on it the is. clock. And and if your videos are any good, you'd be on OnlyFans, not Twitter. How are you working for free, Rico? <laughs> Come on, Rico. You can't get any OnlyFans money. You you just tweeting. You ain't that good, Rico. I don't think your eggplant <laughs> is worth too much if it's on Twitter. I gotta go. All right, we got. <laughs> <laughs> we got more on the other side of the disputable stick and stay. <laughs> All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Okay, let me read a few of the comments. Kind of press for time will be as quick as I can. Biden flavor corn pop says Trayvon Martin wasn't safe walking to the store. That happened two blocks from where my sister and her husband lived by the way, wow. Make uh, see the silver dragon, no attempt at murder, no assault and battery, there you go. Next to what you reporter, American criminal justice system. Oh Wait, he's a white man, better put the kid gloves on. Yep. Seems that way, doesn't it? All right, uh, and start and park racing. Rico is a cop who is spreading the love. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, listen, this is a very sad story. So there is a cop who shoots a mentally ill man. And when I show you how egregious this was, you're going to be just as upset as me. I want to show you the video first. Here it is.
Let him. Put the hatchet down. Put the axe down. Put the axe down. Put the axe down. Ten thirty three shots fired. Was the officer in imminent? danger. You see, that is the prerequisite, that is the requirement for deadly force. Was there another citizen, another person, another human being in imminent danger? That is your other prerequisite for deadly force. Was the individual trying to run in order to harm another person? No. Another dynamic required for that kind of deadly force. I want to bring your attention to something. After he did that deed, that evil deed you just saw, after he did it, he called it in. Let's go back to his tone when he called it in. Here it is. 1033, shots fired. Does it sound like a man who's upset about what he just did? Where's the emotion? He sounds proud of it. It happened on April 21st when the sheriff's office said police were called to Morse Avenue just before 4 a.m. in response to a call regarding a mentally ill individual. Sheriff TK Waters, who at the time was JSO's chief of, of investigations, said that initially officers were unable to locate the man. Following another call from neighbors, officers came back around 1130 AM. And that's when they made contact with Kevin Mahan, 43 years of age, was in a wooded area with a hatchet. He has a mental health disorder. This is a prior Department of Corrections mugshot. At the time of the shooting, it was reported a mental health co-responder was not called. Because the initial call didn't indicate a mental health situation, but rather an armed dispute. The footage released Friday shows an officer, gun drawn, repeatedly yelled for the man to drop the hatchet. As was originally explained by Waters, the video shows the man standing with the hatchet next to his head. The officer fires one shot, striking the man in the head and killing him, as was originally reported. No officers were injured. No officers were in proximity to be injured. The sheriff's office made, office made certain to mention the criminal history of the man who was mentally ill. According to Waters, a man had prior arrest, including possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, a drug arrest, a felony traffic arrest, and a robbery arrest. Records show in 2013, he was sentenced to three years in prison after he was convicted of being a felon in possession of a firearm. In 1998, he was convicted of two counts of armed robbery and one count of attempted armed robbery. And I would like to say this to the police that put that record out. I don't give a damn that he had a criminal history. He should be alive. 
You see, the only criminal I saw in that video was your damn cop. It's the only one I saw. I saw a criminal in a uniform with a gun. And I saw a man who has had reoccurring mental health issues and the system has always dealt with him as a criminal. That's what I saw. I saw a man who posed no threat to anyone in front of him. He was too far away to harm anybody. Court records also show that back in December 2021, an officer used a taser on that same man while trying to arrest him. The arrest came after a driver told police that he attempted to carjack him and verbally threatened to kill him at a gas station on 103rd Street. He pleaded no contest to resisting arrest and was sentenced to 30 days in jail. Once again, it has no weight on what you just saw. Jacksonville Sheriff TK Waters. JSO has not identified the officer because he requested to be under Marcy's law. An official said the officer is back to work and no longer on administrative leave. However, an investigation is ongoing. You mean to tell me that he is being investigated while still being able to shoot people? While under investigation for shooting people? Okay, this is one of those moments where we have to be really thoughtful about cause and effect relationship. The man has, the man had a criminal record, okay? A lot of us have criminal records. That is not the prerequisite for you to be murdered, shot because you're having a bad day. Did not engage in any combat with a police officer whatsoever. You and I saw the same thing. Don't allow their narrative, don't allow their spin to change your mind about what you just saw. Because if we don't stand up for people like him, who's left to stand up for our children, our brothers, our sisters, our aunts and uncles, and everybody else in the community at large. We all have to collectively be outraged by items like this, things like this. And then they try to muddy it up by saying, "Oh, he was a bad person. Remember? The lie about weapons of mass destruction. And we utilize that lie as the prerequisite to colonize a country, to murder Saddam Hussein. And then we say, oh, no weapons of mass destruction, but Saddam Hussein was a bad man. Anyway, you should have done it. That's basically what they try to sell you in moments like this. They want to sell you that he needed to die anyway. Now, are we going to be the type of nation that accepts that narrative? Rejects it. Alonzo thoughts. Well, uh, inadvertently in their background thing, like you said, in trying to make him look like he's dangerous or terrible or whatever else, they showed the bad policing because they said they had an incident with him before and they used a taser and mm-hmm. they arrested him. Yep. So why couldn't you do the same thing again? It, you could. This was definitely a situation where, like you said, the cop wasn't in any danger. He was too far away. Now they'll probably say that this guy could have thrown the axe or whatever. But this cop had his gun out way early. Like before he said a word, he was already carrying the gun. You know, ready to use it. And this is a situation where, in good policing, they probably would have used a taser, or maybe there would have been multiple cops with shields, uh, you know, attempting to subdue this guy. He was murdered. It, we, we just saw it. He, you know, judge, jury, and executioner, right? I see a man with a hatchet. I'm gonna yell, put down the hatchet, and then I'm gonna kill him. 
Um, and then, then for the police to say, well, he's back on duty. I mean, you said it perfectly, the insanity of it. So you can go shoot people while you're under investigation for shooting people. That's yep. not how it's supposed to work. If, if you're a you know, if you're a drunk driver, they don't say, "Hey, well, he, you better drive home." <laughs> you know, right, it exactly. just doesn't make it doesn't make any sense at all. And this gets back to what you were talking about earlier about policing. It has to be reformed, and we have to find some way for the good cops to get on board with cleaning out the bad cops. All right, horrific, but now a local filmmaker is getting $300,000 because a cop brutally attacked him and it was unprovoked. Let me take you to the first video, here it is. Why are you taking off like that, man? Huh? Why are you taking off like that? Get back. No. Tell Get me. back. Nope. I'm Keep your hands where you can see him. Keep your hands right up. You're interfering with me, my man? You're interfering, so you're gonna go from the back of the car. That's fine. Okay. Stop resisting. I'm not resisting you. I'm not resisting. Put me on the ground. If you keep fighting me, I will. I'm not fighting you. Stop fighting. You're going to go on the ground. Just ridiculous. So now the city of Vallejo, California has agreed to pay $300,000 to the victim. You just saw. Let's put up the pictures of the cop and the victim. Let me take you to the background of what happened. The black male is a local filmmaker. He filed an excessive force lawsuit against the city after he was tackled by that cop. The incident happened back in 2019 when the filmmaker and US Marines veteran Adrian Barrow was recording. Officer David McLaughlin. Holding a motorcycle rider at gunpoint in the driveway of Burrell's home, that his house. He started recording. He's on his property. He started recording. Burrell said in his lawsuit that the officer smashed his face into a wall and swung him into a pole. The officer applied handcuffs so tight it broke the skin on his right hand and left his fingers numb. The settlement money will be used to start a nonprofit organization that will provide the families of individuals who are affected by police violence, will provide some support for them. Prior settlements involving the same cop, you got the background, same police officer. This isn't the first excessive force settlement involving the Clothman. The city agreed to pay $270,698 in a settlement with Santiago. Hutchins last year after that same cop held Hutchins at gunpoint while off duty in a parking lot outside a Walnut Creek pizzeria. In August 2018, in an incident that was also caught on camera. In 2014, that same cop was named in a suit alleging that he and another cop pulled over Frederick Cooley without cause, held them at gunpoint, searched his car. The same cop has been a police officer since 2014 and was previously in the Oakland Police Department. His twin brother, whose name is Ryan, 
is also a Vallejo police officer. Both brothers have previously been sued for alleged civil rights violations. Officer David was has also been involved in two shootings since joining the Vallejo police. He and officer Matt Komoda fired on the suspect who was allegedly driving at them before crashing into a parked car on August 31st, 2016, nobody was injured. The Coughlin is also one of several cops on the force who alleged was alleged to be part of a group of officers who bent the tips of their star shaped badges to mark their fatal shootings. The cop testified in court earlier this year that a Vallejo police lieutenant bent the tips of his and his partner's badges following a 2016 shooting. What do they do? They end up killing people and then a superior will bend their badge back as a code to other officers that they are somehow badass cause they know how to kill people. Um, let's put up the chiefs. So you have Jason Ta, who was recently appointed interim police chief. When Chief Shawnee Williams abruptly resigned back in August after three years of holding the position. Earlier this year, 73 out of the 75 police officers who are members of the association voted that they had no confidence in Williams. Unbelievable, unbelievable, but it happened. This is why we fight for reform. This is why we fight for justice. This is why we fight for accountability. My dear brother, thoughts on this? Well, here's another case. So they've spent over a half a million dollars on this cop, you know, just in two cases for him using excessive violence. And this money comes from the city, comes from taxpayers. It should come from the police fund. It should come from their pension fund or whatever monies are. are you know, directed to them. And then the good cops would say, "Oh, we can't have these guys as cops anymore. Now him and his brother apparently have some kind of contest to out bully each other. It, it's ridiculous. These aren't cops. These are bullies on the street who have guns and badges and take, like you said, take pride in it by bending the tip of their badge back. It, it's horrific. Um, it's yeah. horrific. It is, it's a culture dynamic that has to be disrupted immediately. My dear brother, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Thank you, you can simply go to alonzoboden.com and you can find me here on Rebel HQ TYP videos, which I absolutely love doing. And if you're not a fan of Tucker Carlson or MGT, you're gonna like my videos, I'll <laughs> see you go. out there. <laughs> well said brother, <laughs> uh, remember take care of yourself, take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.